You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first ever videoed Locked On Seminoles. Well, video broadcasted. I'm your host, Max. Up left corner, we've got Andre Silva at tally underscore underscore Drake. And about next to him, we've got David Weiss at FSU Knowles with a five instead of an S. We are probably three of hopefully your favorite Florida State fans. If it's your first time here, well, we're two lawyers and a lobbyist that love Florida State. We love talking. So every single night, we hop on the horn, talk about Florida State, and bring you episodes Monday through Friday. Gentlemen, I'm so stoked for this episode. I know it was Syracuse, but hey, Florida State beat a Power 5 team. First win of the year. First win since, what, November of last year? 300 Feels days. Feels pretty good. 300 days. How are y'all feeling? How are y'all doing? feel like it's been 300 days in the making, Max. It feels every bit of those 300 days. Dear God, it's good to be off the schneid. It feels good to actually have a dub for the week. I'm just... It's a victory Sunday going into a victory Monday, and I'm just stoked to actually talk about a winning football team for the first time since literally November. Seriously, but before we do that, folks, thank you so much for listening. If you're tuning back in because you took a week or two off because, well, let's be honest, you can only talk about a losing team so much, we are happy to have you back. If it's your first time with us, we are very excited to have you. And if you've been here for all 175 episodes of this, well, you know how much love we have in our hearts for you. One episode, I'll just spill it out. Maybe this episode. But every victory needs a victory meal. So that's how we're going to approach this podcast. We're going to start with an appetizer, give you our high-level takes, talk about things that, you know, we're just kind of, you know, glaze over everything. Then we're going to give you the good, the bad, and the ugly. We're going to dive into the numbers. We're going to talk about who was, well, good, who was bad, and what was kind of ugly on Saturday. And then we're going to leave you with some dessert. That's basically things that sweeten this win. Maybe, spoiler alert, some things that happen around the country, certain rivals no longer being ranked in the top 25, things like that that we'll get to down the road. Gentlemen, let's dive into the appetizer. Drake, I'm going to start with you. High-level takeaway. What is the first thing on your mind that you want to throw out about this game? That when we actually have our fully like healthy, well, not fully healthy, but our starting five offensive linemen that we have for Notre Dame, like a Mo, a Mo Smith back at center and Robert Scott back at left tackle, it opens up the running lanes that much more. I think we had our best run block gains per PF actually for this game and it opened up holes for both Treshawn Ward and also for Jason Corbin actually have really, really big games. And now after after Saturday, they both are number one and number two respectively in the ACC with yards per carry. I think it's like 6.9. Nice. And like 7.2. So I'm actually super stoked for that. We also ran 69 plays on Saturday. Nice. nice. David, what about you, man? High level. What really, what do you want to say about this game for the appetizer? It's all about the run, man. Run it, run it. Stop the run. That's a, that's a good foundation for a football team. And if that's the lowest we're going to get is we have to rely on the run and the run defense. Team could be in a lot worse shape. I mean, yeah, the receivers suck. We, we, we're not good at linebacker, but we have something good to start from, a good running game and a good run defense. It's a good start, and that won us a game. 
Yeah. I mean, we had what, 37 runs yesterday and how many screens did we have another 10 or 12? So I think if you count screens in the run game, we effectively ran it on 47 of our 69 plays, maybe 49 of our 69 plays. Nice. nice. I think for me, the high level takeaways. Well, I want to add this to the appetizer first. Jordan Travis is now Florida state's all time leading rushing quarterback. He just took Charlie Ward's record of most cumulative rushing yards by a quarterback in Florida state. Congratulations. He earned every single one of those yards and some more. What I'm unclear on is if sacks factor into that. So I don't know if he, if they do, he had to overcome more than Charlie Ward did, but even if it's raw rushing yards, congrats to him. Dave couldn't agree more. It's all about the run, but for me, and this is part of running we finally saw the fruits of why effort matters. You know, I think some people kind of poo-pooed us, right? When we said, hey, at least this team's trying, at least this team's caring. Well, two two things stood out to me. One, any of the teams under Willie, Jimbo, or Mike Norvell from the past four years do not make that goal line stand. They hit the quarterback who Drake talked about on our preview is a great runner. That boy, as Drizzy says, thick. And he gets a second surge. And I was with my brother who played, who was the good football player in the family. And, you know, we were just talking about how hard it is to hold someone back when they get that second surge. And the reason we did is because seven more hats went to the football. And if you watch, I believe it's Sidney Williams comes in and has the brains instead of hitting him head on, actually wraps over the ball with his arm like this and holds him down from being able to surge the ball forward. So just seeing that kind of effort on the goal line, and then that final drive. I mean, that was just, the team didn't quit. They could have, when they got, would well, they have a sack, I think, on the second play? Could have said, oh, well, let's take it to overtime. And they didn't. So, uh, and also shout out to Keyshawn Helton. Huge effort on that diving catch. So that's my appetizer is uh, just, that's why you can laugh at us when the team's not good, but it's so important to see consistent effort because it results in wins. And I was excited to see that. Now, before we go to the good, the bad, and the ugly, I do want to let the folks know I have my first winning weekend on prize picks. I signed up two weeks ago. Didn't do so great the first time because I didn't do any research, but I did my entry, and I ended up having a winning weekend. So I, it's honestly one of my favorite things to do now. As you know, I'm retired from gambling, but this is more of a daily fantasy model. Basically, there's a slew of players you can pick from. You draft a team of football. I, I did it with college football of three to five players, and each individual player has an over-under. So, for example, it was uh, JT Daniels. This one pushed because he he scratched out of the game, actually. Um, But it was JT Daniels over-under 168 passing yards, right? I took the under because I thought they were going to run a lot. Again, JT Daniels didn't work out because he didn't play, but had he had the same stats as Stetson Bennett, I would have gotten the win there because he would have been under 168 yards. If all of your players on your roster hit the over or the under that you pick, you win. It's as simple as that. So go use promo code locked on, get a hundred bucks of matched money. So when you put in a hundred, they give you a hundred on your first deposit and start throwing entries out there. And if that works up an appetite, well, you got to get to the kitchen and folks, when you're in the kitchen, you got to have the right tools. Trust me. I sold knives for like three summers. I know I was that guy. Don't hate me. Uh, But yeah, We've been using Made in Cookware. They made the smart decision to send all of us some free stuff. I can't get you free stuff, but I can get you a discount. Dave and I got the chef knife. Drake got the pan. And guys, Made in is the real deal. I mean it. I legit sold not Cutco knives. 
says an advertisement for them, but everyone will tell you, I cook a ton. I'm very stingy about what cookware I'll use and made in is now the chef knife I use. So if it's good enough for me, I promise it's good enough for you. Go to madeincookware.com, use promo code locked on, get 15% off your first order. So that's made in, like, you know, made in the basement, made in the garage, made in the back of a car, made in, M-A-D-E-I-N, cookware.com, slash locked on, use promo code locked on, get 15% off your order. All right, folks, you've had the appetizer, let's get to the meal. We are going to go into the good the bad and the ugly before we get you some dessert and send you home feeling warm and fuzzy or, you know, off to work or wherever you're going after you listen to this gentlemen, let's waste no more time. I had Drake go first last time. That means Dave, you are up. Hit me with the good. The good. Uh, that was our second highest graded passing game of the year. All the intentional short passes I know they're not sexy. I know a lot of people looked at the the passing line. You know, I have not always been the biggest GT's the answer guy, and I'm not saying he is, but he was efficient in the passing game. Uh, that was probably more importantly than that, our second best defensive game of the season. Didn't look like it a lot of the times, but at the end of the day, when a lot of times when it counted, they got the job done. They gave up some big runs, but like on a down and down basis, they weren't getting gashed every time. Yeah, when we do our stats deep dive tomorrow, which folks is how we're kind of doing this, we'll do a, a a more granular stats deep dive on Tuesdays. But today, just looking at the stats, Dave, you're right. I'm going to remove the – what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through and I'm going to remove any play over 15 yards, and we'll see. I would bet our average allowed on those plays is like two or three yards. We did a yeah. really good job of holding them. And then they did a really good job of holding us, which led to some really large runs. But Drizzy, what is your good from this game? The good for me for this game probably is how we lambasted Mike Norvell for doing something that, you know, Dan Mullen does all the time. Or, sorry, not doing something that Dan Mullen does all the time. Dan Mullen had Kyle Trask last year. The man was not mobile, but he had a cannon for arm, was very accurate. This year, he has Emory Jones, who's not particularly great at passing, but he's a great, great running quarterback. And you see that's why Florida, I think, is number two or number three in the country with rushing yards. So I think he actually was able to tailor his game plan with Jordan Travis's skill set, like he's not super, super accurate on those 10 to 15 yard throws, but his screen passing, which I was, you know, not a big fan of, he actually was able to hit, you know, people on the boundary side. Because if you remember from the Notre Dame game, he overthrew Andrew Parchment and did again Jacksonville State with the same exact play. But this time he actually got it into his hands. And he also was able to tailor make it where JT had those designed runs and that was able to not only extend the play, but also kind of keep the offense humming. And I think I, I thought he had probably one of his best games here outside UNC. Drake, I think that's right. I, I will say I, I was in front of a gentleman in the Champions Club who was very vocal about the fact that we were calling the same play repeatedly on that first drive. I was very proud of myself because I didn't say anything to him, although he was ruining the game experience for everyone around him. If you were there, you know who you are. But we were doing well. I mean, that first drive... We threw literally the same play six times, but we got like seven yards of play before we got stopped at the end there. If we're getting seven yards of play, I'm going to do it. I will say this about the play calling. I, I've said this already. I, some of our friends on other podcasts have said it. They have to rely on trickery. They have to rely on 
moving guys around. They have even the big runs, right? We're never running a five straight blocking scheme. We're always pulling someone. We're always motioning. We're trying to get eyes moving. We're trying to open up creative holes. That's fine. But if you have to rely on tricks, don't show them all your tricks until you have to. So if a screen pass, a wide receiver screen is getting five to six yards each time, we'll let that be your one trick and let that work until it doesn't. Instead of showing them all five of your tricks at the beginning and letting the defensive analyst start drawing up adjustments and sending them into the defensive coordinator and he gets to send them down to the sidelines. So I think I agree with you, Drake. My good was the play calling. I think there was one play I really didn't like. I'm with you. I don't like rolling a right-hander to the left. I think with this offensive line, you kind of have to sometimes because that's where you're going to get the protection, but it's dangerous. Uh, Said I think the good was actually the pass catchers this time. Uh, Cam McDonald, great run after the catch when he grabbed that screen. The blocking on the screens was okay, but we saw a lot of guys turn what should have been a one-yard gain on a screen into a five- or six-yard gain just by running hard. Dave, I saw your face. No, I do not mean over the middle of the field. Uh, I also think <laughs> I also think Jordan Travis's intermediate game was a lot better. You look at the passing chart, he's, you know, within uh within 0 to 10 yards, he was 4 of 7 in the middle, 2 of 3 on the left-hand side, uh 10 to 20 yards, he was 2 for 2 with one touchdown with a NFL passer rating of 158 in that 10 to 20 yard spot to Drake's point only had to throw it there twice. If we can win only doing that, do that all day. Uh, But let's get to the bad guys, Dave. I will, we'll just keep going in the same order around the horn. What was the bad for you? Oh, there's a lot. Um, Okay. Let me (laughs) talk about, let let me talk about Syracuse's quarterback. All right. That was either the fastest slow guy or the slowest fast guy I've ever seen because we somehow made right we somehow made him look like Kyler Murray. I, I didn't understand what my eyes were watching. Just the the amount of times our linebackers don't seem to know where to be on the field, and this is something we've been talking about for four plus years now. The fact that it's not getting corrected at all—that's all probably the main reason we're giving up these just ridiculous plays, like. What was that, that 55-yard run? Was he even touched after the line of scrimmage? Yes, Jermaine Johnson missed a tackle on him. Reminded me a ton of Jameis Winston when he ran the ball. You could tell he's just got those, he's big, and he. you're right, he looks goofy, but he's really strong. I mean, Jermaine Johnson, I think twice underestimated him and went for kind of a leg tack, you know, an arm tackle on the legs, and that guy's 240 pounds. He just ran right through it. Now, Jermaine Johnson had a hell of a game. I'm not besmirching him, but yeah, that's not a guy you can arm tackle. And that, that yeah, that scramble was weird, dude. That touchdown, w- what was up with our cornerback and safety? I for, I didn't notice who it was. It, it may have been uh, Jerry and Jones, who literally just didn't know the play was still going on. Did you guys see that on TV? Yeah, Sydney Williams was the safety. In the, Sydney yeah, Williams was in the back end, and it was I want to say it was Jerry and Jones. But just stop playing. He, his receiver stopped. It was actually kind of a smart move by the receiver. The receiver pulled up and stopped running, and he didn't ever look back to see what was going on. He just stopped running with his receiver and kind of was like, oh, okay, we're done. Uh, yep. That was bad. Drake, what was the bad for you? It, it's, it's Garrett Schrader. I just, just, I, I'm not going to do it any longer because like Dave kind of stole mine, just more that Garrett Schrader at Mississippi State also because he was there before was not a good passer. In fact, actually he has the worst passing game last week against Liberty where he was, where he was the starting quarterback. And to me, it's just more that he was able to actually capitalize on 
these big pockets in the secondary where you saw like DJ Lundy and Steven Dix were in on obvious passing downs and they're not particularly your best coverage linebackers. Same thing with, you know, Amari Gaynor, which with that big busted play where um, uh, I want to say the safety didn't come down to help. If you see Amari Gaynor and DJ Lundy at, the, at that entire play, they never ever look to see or pick up that guy because it's his own coverage. And they're supposed to like at least go back a little bit. They never look back and they just, they just lock in on that and they just never provide any assistance. So to me, that's kind of the bad. And that will go a little more to my ugly when it's my turn to talk. But Max, I know you want to break down that play a little better. So yeah, you're right, Drake. I want to break down that play a bit because it's indicative of the coaching issue we're seeing. I, I think we've reached the point where this defensive coordinator is not the guy. I think you probably keep Woodson because Travis Hunter. I mean, frankly, there's no, you have to keep Woodson. I will keep a bad year of DB coaching to get Travis Hunter. He's not going to transfer if we fire Woodson in a year, if he's not the guy. I also will call it like I see it. Chris Marv ain't it. He's got to go. I'm, I am I really have no... I like Chris Marv as a person. I want to like the guy. He's not it. He can't recruit. Can't coach. So the play we're talking about is the touchdown. It's third and 10. This defense did such a good job. It was a weird thing. They like didn't bend, but they broke, right? You hear bend, but don't break. They were the opposite of that. So here's the play. You can see it. You see these guys running free on Syracuse. This drag route over here is the guy that's going to score. Up top, you have a simple go slash post concept. Uh, I believe they call it a smash concept. You have one guy run deep. You have another guy come under. What you're trying to do, it's a way to exploit a cover three. Cover three means we've got three safeties over the top. So they're here. You've got under here a cornerback. So this guy comes deep. This guy grabs him. The cornerback is supposed to bring him to the safety. And then you have a call, right? You either say, you know, it depends on the word. You can say fire, you can say run, you can say free. It doesn't matter. Or you just point. You look at him and go, hey, hey, it's the exact same concept as a screen in basketball, a pick in basketball, I'm sorry, or a screen, right? It, it doesn't matter how you do it. You just have to talk. So either he's going to run him up and he's going to hand him to the safety. The safety's going to take the long route and he's going to break back to the drag. Or, and I drew that up here, you guys are getting some real action here. So either... The safety right there breaks down to the to the deep route or and he goes over to the drag. Sorry, this is mirrored. Or you do it the other way and the cornerback just yells, hey, I got him, I got him, I got him. And then the safety knows that that means he breaks down to the drag. You can play it in either way, but that is that is purely coaching. The coaches need to explain, hey, when you're in cover three, here's how you should be communicating. They don't even have to teach them which way to do it. But those guys don't even know they need to communicate. So what happens on that play? The cornerback runs the drag or the go route back or the post, whatever is running. The safety also goes to the deep man and the drag catches it. To our guy's credit, and this is why I'm blaming coaching, they hit him at the goal line. So they clearly were athletic enough and they both realized, oh shoot, this got blown. Neither of us is on the guy and tried to make a play on the ball. So it's not like they quit and gave up. This wasn't what was it, guys, two years ago where they're doing this to each other? So I'm glad we didn't see any of that, but they aren't being coached well, and that's the bad for me. But let's get around the horn to the ugly. Uh, let's oh, yeah. go the other way, though, because, Dave, I want to let you simmer because when you're mad about something, the longer I wait, the more of a pop I get, like a soda bottle. Drake, what was your ugly? It's the it's the coaching and how there's literally no – there is a severe, severe lack of understanding and communication between – the sideline and the players. If you see, I want to say in the first defense series that we have, you have Kevin Knowles trying to talk to, I, I don't know who the other corner is like in the slot. He's trying to get his attention. Like, Hey, listen to me, listen to me. And the corner is just staring right. at him. And then later on the day, 
you weren't that you didn't see it because you were at actually at the game. You have Keir Thomas on the sideline trying to have a communication oh, yeah. with Adam Fuller. He's like, no, 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 listen, 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 listen. He's trying to tell him like these. Uh, this is what he's seeing. Make his adjustments. All you see, Adam Fuller is doing this. For those right. listening at home and now watching this on YouTube, he's literally like with his mouth half open, just shaking his head and like basically going in one ear, out the other. So every time we were asking my dad for like a new PS4 or something like that when I was a kid, that's literally the same as like I know that damn face. We're trying to and, explain to your dad like what a ps4 is like, yeah exactly no he, uh, he knows as, as a latino guy he's like it's the uh, it's the nintendo that's how that's what we all call everything the nintendo around the, the house nintendo. it's always it's the nintendo. my parents are southern everything was a coke i i've never i can't remember the last time i had a regular coke i drink dr pepper and it's always hey you want a coke sure but yeah like dr pepper nah nah i gotta go great coke but no that's to me it's more that there is a definitely a huge huge divide between the defensive coaching staff and actually those players and i mean from what I hear, it's really difficult for Adam Fuller to not only communicate with the players, but it's also with recruits, and it's also with coaching, and also with the people on the staff. And he is primarily in charge of safeties. And the safety play out of, you know, the young kids has been, they're young, but it's still a lot of, you know, stuff being missing out there. And with Chris Marv, I know everyone around here, you know, is not super high on him. I'm not as down on the rest of y'all. I would keep him for one more year, primarily pointing to Emma Rice last year and Kalen be how he's been able to come on the past few weeks. But for me, it's the coaching and communication between the players. So that's a great point. I think one of my three stars of the game is uh, Kalen Deloach. He has he has come a long way. I mean, I, I agree. I think Marv can coach to a degree, but he he's not recruiting at the level that we need. And to your point about safeties, the reason I made that frustrated exhale face, our safeties are trying harder than it. And I know you guys are probably thinking I'm a YMCA coach out here. I am not only rewarding effort, but we haven't seen it for four years. Sidney Williams is a bruiser. Jarvis Brownlee comes up out of nowhere and makes plays. So it's like that unit is desperate to be coached and they're just not getting coached correctly. So like that's the type of unit where you think the right coach could come in and completely flip them in one year because you have athletes that are trying hard and they just aren't being told to do what to do. But Dave, what's the ugly for you? And what's right. the ugliest for you? I know you probably have a long list because you're a I, I resident got it pessimist. I, it, it cannot be just one. Oh, come on. I'm not the resident pessimist. There's two things in that game okay. that were just ridiculous. Number one, has FSU ever had this bad of wide receivers? This bad of wide receiver play, I should say. It, you know, I know you complimented them earlier for some of the screen passes. They cannot run routes. They cannot get separation. They cannot catch contested footballs. They can't do most of the things that capable, not even good, capable college wide receivers can do. I don't know if it's the players. I don't know if it's the wide receiver coaching or both. But that is probably, to me, the biggest problem we have on this team and the biggest reason we're so limited on offense. That's not it, though. I got to get the second one. The special teams has gotten worse since Mike Norvell got here. I, nice. I, sw I, I swear to you, that's the case. If we return one more kickoff to the 16-yard line, I swear to God, I'm, I'm just so sick of it. I don't understand how on the sidelines they're not being told, don't bring it out. Because it seems like the de facto is take it out of the end zone no matter what you see, no matter how deep it's kicked. It never works out. I don't know why we're trying to return punts when there's a guy in your face and now we're at the point where we're dropping them. We are killing ourselves with field position with an offense that already struggles to move the football. Yeah, I agree. And I think some of that is just trying to do a bit too much. And you can tell with Norvell, 
that's going to be a consistent trend. And I will take the ugly. It was going to be special teams. I'm going to keep it at special teams because it's different than what you said. Our kickoff coverage is, is horrible. I will say our punt coverage actually was pretty good. Our kickoff coverage, our kicker had two tackles. Your kicker, by the way, shout out, who is that, Fitzgerald? That, who kicks the kickoff? It's magic, baby. Guardhouse. It's magic. Oh, no, no, no. It is Guardhouse. It is. You're right. Dude, he had two big hits. I mean, they were solid. He's a big boy, though. I mean, he's like 220. Uh, he had two hits, but that should never happen. You don't want your kicker to have to make hits because that shows like we let Syracuse, I think, get past the 30 two or three times. Their average starting on kickoffs was the 30. Yeah, can't happen. And then with the muffed punt, I I don't know. So we had Travis J. We changed it to Keyshawn Helton. Now we've got Wilson back there. I, I know he's someone we love to hate on, but I think Helton's your best option back there. Travis is just a little too, I'm not saying he's a lazy kid, but he's a little lazy of a returner. He doesn't like to just, he doesn't seem like he's really that in, invested in trying to go for the return. Keyshawn, while he's not as sure-handed as Travis, he's actually had your best returns of the season. Pokey, I like what he does when he has the ball, but to me, when you muff a ball like that, you're done for the year. Someone yeah. else needs to be back there. That's it. I don't... Unless you're Deion Sanders and you just had a mental lapse, you know, or Devin Hester, you're done. Don't put him back there anymore. So that was the ugly for me. Gentlemen, we are going to get to dessert in this conversation. But before we do that, let's talk about what you should have for dessert tonight. What are you thinking? Ice cream? Candy? Don't do it. Those have too many carbs. I know you crushed some beers this weekend. Maybe some whiskeys if you were feeling a little wild after the win. You don't need it in your life. Get a built Bar instead. If it's your first time here, well, you're welcome. You just found out about delicious, nutritious treat. If it's your hundredth time here, I'm sure you got a closet full of them. So go grab one, have yourself some dessert. Guys, Built Bars have 17 to 19 grams of protein. They've got five grams of sugar, five grams of carbs. I used to be a huge Gatorade protein guy, protein bar guy. I've completely switched to Built Bar because it tastes like a candy bar. And in fact, I'm a huge soda guy. And when I eat a Built Bar in the morning... I find myself drinking less soda because it tastes like that that sugary sweet goodness I'm used to, and I don't really need to go suck down a 20-ounce Dr. Pepper, even though this only had 5 grams of protein or uh, um, sugar in it with 17 grams of protein. I like peanut butter brownie. Drake's a cherry barcia guy. Dave just orders the variety pack because he's a sicko and doesn't have taste preferences. It's bizarre. But go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, get yourself 15% off. Thank me later. All right, boys, let's get through dessert here. I am going to start because I haven't gotten to start one of these yet, even though I guess I kind of start them all. It doesn't matter. I'm starting. Six straight playoff appearances. Coming on our show, there are people, shout out Riley, we still love you, and talking about, well, I don't see how this ever goes away. I mean, we just reload every year. You know, things like, can they make 10 playoffs in a row type questions? Is DJ going to be the first two-time Heisman winner? And now, the Clemson Tigers find themselves unranked. I, I, I take so much joy... And they're paying because they didn't know, right? So Miami, they were good in the 80s. They went a bit down in the mid and late 90s. They came back up in 01 and won a championship. We were good in the 80s, really good in the 90s. 
We backslid in the 2000s, popped back from like 11 to 15. So we've seen the cycles. Clemson had never gotten to that high before, right? Their last championship was when Ronald Reagan was in office, and I'm pretty sure they won it by accident. So they they didn't know. They thought they were going to sit there forever. They just, oh, yeah, we'll always be good. And it's like, oh, no, you will not. They If they don't have that strobe light in their stadium, which I think that the ACC needs to look into, they probably lose to Boston College. I would bet a lot of money if I weren't retired. They lose at least three games this year, possibly four, and I couldn't be happier. Gentlemen, what do you want to give the people for dessert? Either of you can start first. Dealer's choice. Oh, wait, I'm the dealer. Uh, Player's choice. Uh, Drake, there's just, just so many good options. I, I don't know if you want to go Florida or Miami. Uh, I feel like you may want to go Miami. Is that your choice here? Yeah, I'm going to go Miami. So you go I'll first. go Florida then. Okay. Oh, is it great that uh, just as recently as this past week, there was so much going around Twitter about how clearly Florida was the best football team in the state of Florida. And guess what? Right now they might be, but they are still really bad. Uh, Dan Mullen, for all that he has there in support at that university with that athletic department and financial support, wow, does he do a little with a lot. He doesn't have them recruiting well. He never has and he never will. And now he doesn't have them playing well. We knew they weren't going to be as good coming off losing Kyle Trask. Um, but wow, are they not good at quarterback? Wow, are they not good at football? They lost to Kentucky. Mark Stoops now has two wins against Dan Mullen. That hadn't happened at Florida in a long time. It's just if you have a, a, a few spare moments, go on and read the Florida message boards. Oh, that's what I was going to do, buddy. No, no, I've got it right here for the folks. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm well. Are you done? Because I'm going to put some chocolate oh, sauce on the ice. Um, okay, you served happy. up the ice cream, ladies and gentlemen. For your listening and viewing pleasure, here's the chocolate syrup. This comes from Swamp Two Four Seven, which is like Knowles Two Four Seven, but they probably don't rip off segment names from Locked On Gators. So here was a post by, you know what? I'll omit his username. But this is a Gator fan. You've accomplished something twice in four years that no other head football coach at Florida had accomplished even once in over three decades. Shocker, it's not having your wife kiss every other player on the mouth. You know, you now have two losses to Kentucky. One for each of the male appendage you don't have. Or one for each of the two failures at coaching before you who still didn't stoop. He capitalizes stoop. I'm guessing that was autocorrect, which tells you that Coach Stoops is living rent-free in his head right now. He's typed the name so many times. To that level of suckitude. Good word. Take your pick. I hope you develop some kind of unique physical condition where every step you take feels like you're walking on a hundred Legos barefoot. Get the F away from my alma mater, you no-neck, hunchbacked, Quasimodo-looking son of a bitch. K, thanks. Wow. Yeah. That was special. So that's how the Gators were feeling this weekend while we were celebrating a win. Drake, give the folks a little bit of dessert. What are you going to go with? I do want to, before I go into, you know, the University of Cold Gables, I do want to point out also that Florida hasn't lost to Kentucky since Ronald Reagan was in office. It actually was pretty <laughs> nice for you to remember that too as well. With Miami, for those of you that don't know, I actually work next, right in the heart of Cold Gables, actually. That's where my law office is, and I work primarily with a lot of alumni there, a few boosters there. I cannot wait to walk in tomorrow morning 
and smile on a paralegal. Hey, Gus, how was the game? Walking to my coworker's office. Amber, how was tailgating? Because I know it was the only good thing that happened to you on Thursday. And then it's really nice to know that while we picked up our first, you know, our first win for the year, we also um, have something that the University of Miami doesn't have. They do not have a Power 5 win this year as of today. And quite frankly, after Thursday night, we are probably going to see the beginning of the end of Mr. Manuel Alberto Diaz as the head coach for the University of Coral Gables. And to me, if you listen to the show before, I am not his particularly big fan of that man. And to see him lose on a kick that went off, was it wide left? Wide left. Wide left in the Airbnb that is in the Miami Gardens. Quite like it was beautiful to see just a bunch of Miami fans, the 37 that were actually in attendance, <laughs> actually be witness to the how what their program has become. Because when you say the U is back, that mainly means, oh, great, the U is back. That means we lost a game that we shouldn't have lost, and now our coach can get fired. So, hey, Max, yep. there we go. Max, guess who's the last place team in the entire ACC right now? I'm gonna guess Miami. It is Miami. You would be correct. Let's go. Hey. Worse than your hearts, but not worse than the charts. That's Florida State football. Folks, tomorrow we're going to have a deep dive into stats for you. We're also going to dig in a little bit into what does this game mean going forward. We're obviously not going to overreact. It's one game, but we're almost at the halfway point of the season. This Saturday, North Carolina will be the end of what we dubbed in the preseason, leg two. And we're going to kind of, next week we'll do a full post-half season recap but I think we need to talk about obviously we're not where we wanted to be we were thinking hey what if we were five and oh going into this right now we're one and four so we need to talk about what at least getting one win what the injuries those things do for our expectations for this weekend and for the rest of the year going forward but until then thank you so much for stopping by today we love that y'all come here because we love talking about Florida State and y'all listening is the only reason we get to do that on this platform if you're listening to the podcast This was streamed on YouTube for the first time. We will be on YouTube every single day. So make sure you subscribe to our YouTube. Make sure you go up in the top right-hand corner of your podcast app and hit the plus button if it's your first time listening to us. That way you'll be following the podcast and uh, it'll just pop into the top of your queue every single day. If you haven't done it yet, go to the show page. Hit us with a five-star review. Tell us what you love about the show and we'll read that on Five Star Fridays. Until tomorrow, I'm Max, that was Dave, that was Drake, and this was Locked On Seminoles. Hey, champions, baby. Take care, everybody. 